Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. I'm your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, coming to you live from America's Heartland here in Nebraska in the USA. Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, and I'm coming to you from the Heartland here in America. That is... Nebraska. So during the show, I encourage you go to my website over the commercial breaks. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com, where you can learn more about me and my business offerings. And you can also contact me by emailing me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can go to this platform that's voiceamerica.com under the empowerment channel. And of course, I'm on social media that's on Linkbook and Facebook or LinkedIn, rather, and Facebook. So today we're going to talk about immigrant entrepreneurial leadership. In the past, you know, I've hosted some shows on on, on entrepreneurial leadership, and you might be thinking, well, what exactly is this? So that's why we're here today, and my guest is Omar Khan. He brings a unique perspective to the conversation because you will soon find out there are a lot of nuggets here, things for all of us to take note, and we can all learn. And so here's more about my guest, Omar. He has over a decade of experience working with senior leadership in capital markets during strategic planning. He's advised high net worth individuals and entrepreneurs on real estate portfolio allocations. He's also a global citizen. He's lived in Dubai, Toronto, Calgary, and Dallas. And as a Paul Harris fellow, he mentors youth and social development institutions and nonprofits in three different countries. Okay, without further ado, Omar, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. Good morning, Dr. Matthew. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Okay, so let's begin this conversation by defining what do you exactly mean by immigrant entrepreneurial leadership? Well, I mean, first of all, I'd like to say that leadership to me doesn't just mean that you, you know, you lead a company, you're rah, 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 you appear on TV or something. Leadership, I, I think increasingly, especially as I've had a kid and I've, I'm starting a family, I feel increasingly it is about ex- taking on responsibility and then fulfilling the role that you have promised others that you want to do. So that is the biggest aspect of leadership, for instance, that I look at now, especially as I'm maturing through life, right? For me particularly, I feel being an immigrant in a lot of ways gives me a leg up because, well, the short answer is, well, if you're new somewhere, what else are you going to do? You have to go out there and introduce yourself to people. You have, you don't... In a weird sort of way, you don't have a lot of baggage or you're not, for a weird sort of way, you don't, you know, just because you've lived somewhere for a long period of time, you tend to become easy and sometimes lazy. But when you're an immigrant, you're newer somewhere, you have to put yourself out there. You have to go introduce yourself to people. And basically, I think that offers a lot of opportunity, especially in a country as dynamic, exciting uh, as the U.S., basically. So that's what I mean. I mean, the immigrant portion, you obviously know. The entrepreneurial portion is, well, what else are you going to do, right? And the leadership is accepting and taking on responsibility and then fulfilling your role. 
I like it, and that's why I have you here. This is such a, a near and dear topic to my heart. As I, as many of my listeners know, I've done a lot of research with Asian Americans and and looking at their leadership journey. Particularly, I was looking at when I was doing my doctorate, following the lives of successful first generation Asian Indians who came from India, grew up there, came here, and took took made a path all the way up to presidents and chancellor level and institutions here and their stories were just so rich with so many things that all of us can learn from and that leads me to my next question for you because it is all about story we all have a story to tell and yeah and I'm, I'm curious about you when you think about your story how did you go about putting it together how did you craft that and how did you start to sell your story well, uh, a lot of this is a healthy dose of, uh, well, a healthy dose of believing in yourself because you kind of have to. And I think most immigrants, just by the nature of them being immigrants, you know, it's kind of painful if you think about it to leave your house, to leave a place where you're very comfortable and to go to potentially a new country, a new city, and then completely restart. So for me, uh, having done that a few times, uh, obviously helps me understand that narratives and stories are very important. So understanding, first of all, why a story is even needed and why a narrative is even needed. Because till you don't convince yourself of that, a lot of other things don't fall into place. Because you have to understand why things happen. For me particularly, because I had great experiences academically as well as professionally, I was able to basically stitch together my experiences and my journeys, both personally and professionally, in a manner that was both coherent, why did I make each move, but also strategic. Why did a certain move happen at a certain time and not earlier or later? And in my particular case also, uh, particularly, I, I know, again, I'm not American yet, but I know a lot of Americans sometimes shy away from talking about race and how it kind of plays around with it. In my particular case, I'm going to be honest with you, the Asian community does benefit a lot from the fact that there's a perception that everybody's incredibly smart. A lot of times, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the perception that I get a lot of times. So a lot of times that has played into my favor, you know, but again, you've got to bring the goods to the table, right? What you can't do is people think you're smart and then you open your mouth and people change their minds. Mm-hmm. What would you say as you reflect on, because I noted in my opening that you lived in Dubai and Toronto, Calgary and Dallas. What, what was perhaps the most challenging when you think about making the transition, you know, to living here in the U.S.? Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I grew. I personally think America has such a dominant culture the world over. If you think about it, you know, across music, around movies, around business, technology, that particularly, for instance, in my case, uh, I always loved, you know, everything about America, right? All the movies, everything. You see all the stereotypical and not stereotypical things. So for me particularly, the culture wasn't as much of an issue, uh, number one. Uh, because I love the culture and that's why I chose to move here. But for, I think, a lot of people, the issue necessarily isn't the culture because Americans are very accepting, very dynamic. I think the big picture is understanding that you can't just do business as usual. And when you're new to some place, you have to go the extra mile to meet people. You have to put yourself out there. And what you can't expect is opportunities to come to you, even in the land of opportunity. Because, you know, somebody might open the door for you you still have to walk through that door to go to the other side. 
Right. And it's that adage that one step forward, you're going forward, you're making forward momentum. And that's the importance of it. Sometimes you can look at a task that's so huge, it can be overwhelming. Oh, yeah. And yeah, what you're saying is, but you put your foot out, you put yourself out there and you make yourself vulnerable in many ways. And that's when the growth and things start to happen for you. You know, yeah, I, I was struck I by... Do think, I, I, I apologize for cutting you off, but I do think this is somewhat unique to, say, the cultures of America, specifically in Canada to a certain degree, that these countries are very dynamic. I think a lot of people are, for whatever reason, are shy about putting themselves and being vulnerable, as you said. But America in particular is such a dynamic country that people reward and people acknowledge the fact that you put yourself out there. So even though immediately it might not be of benefit, but people are very encouraging, at least in our experience. Every step of the way, complete strangers have been very encouraging. And that is such a nice thing to do, but you still have to take the first step. You sure do. And, you know, Brene Brown does so, so much great work about making yourself vulnerable. And, you know, she she's said, you know, she's the biggest proponent when someone goes out there, and even if they fail, she cheers them on because, you know what, they put themselves out there, they're in the rink, and they're giving giving oh, yeah. it their all. Yeah, and you have to recognize it's like, that. It's that Teddy Roosevelt thing, right? I think it was Teddy Roosevelt when you said the man in the ring, you know? The sweat mm-hmm. volunteers that he does only he knows the experiences that he's gone through, and to be honest with you, you do it once, and the second time around, it doesn't seem that weird. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. After you do it the first time, it it takes that uh, the sting away or the the fear of the unknown and ma- builds yeah. your confidence. Yeah. yeah, you know, I you embedded in or what you're talking about here. There are also some mental barriers. And talk more about mental barriers that hold back immigrant entrepreneurs. Look, I think a lot of times, uh, again, a lot of times I think there are small little things. It's not like people are going out of the way. But I think a lot of times, uh, immigrants specifically, they're unable to pick on certain, say, social cues, right? Because, again, okay. you're new someplace, right? Or, say, pop culture references, as an example. Or, say, you know, water cooler talk. And a lot of people don't realize that water cooler talk, pop culture references, knowing about, say, just the kind of the rough history of where you are, where you live, it's very important because what a lot of people deride as small talk, actually, in my experience, has been the most meaningful talk because it gets the other party very comfortable with you. They start seeing you less as a counterparty and more as a colleague. And if you're able to break through that barrier, which, by the way, isn't really that hard, to be very honest with you. You just have to be aware that it exists. Then conversations become very meaningful. So the mental barrier there is, I personally feel a lot of people don't uh, tend to emphasize the soft side of the culture, like understanding pop culture references, the history of a certain place, the culture of a certain place. And they should do more to immerse themselves in the culture, the history, and the literature of the place to just pick up small little social cues which can really help you set yourself apart. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I know in a lot of the things I've read and even in my own research, there was a concept that emerged when I was working with immigrants who were successful here, and that was a dimension I called successful leaders are able to permeate boundaries. And what I mean by that is a lot of the stories, right, that I was collecting, they would say, as children in my home country, 
all of us from different religious backgrounds would play together. We would still celebrate, you know, Christians and Hindus and Muslims and so forth would still celebrate each other's holidays and, and gatherings with each other. And it was because of that that when they were able to come here and translate to what you were just saying, finding mm-hmm. ways to connect that made them successful at all different layers and, and levels of an organization. So it, what you're saying rings a lot of, rings so much truth. Learn the social cues and that small talk. You're right. It matters a lot. You know, so yeah. what are, what other, do you have any other recommendations for entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurs who are having these barriers? Well, I would suggest, Specifically, I can talk in the case of, uh, when I can't speak in the case of all uh, American South Asians, obviously. But I sure, granted, yeah. <laughs> some, obviously, from somewhat of a cultural reference in the fact that, uh, you know, in our cultures, hard uh, sciences, for instance, uh, you know, specific task-oriented things like uh, STEM, for instance, science, technology, engineering, math, they're very emphasized, whereas the soft skills are not, they're not as emphasized, if you think about it, right? But mm-hmm. I do feel that, an emphasis on soft skills, to be very honest with you, uh, will just set you apart. Because a lot of times, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And if the other party is comfortable even dealing with you, because no matter how digitized we're becoming, no matter how connected we're becoming, a lot of people are losing that aspect of, you know, just the human touch. So if you can sit down with somebody and you can show them that you're genuine and you you know, again, you might not be able to understand 100% of their experience, but you're able to relate and they're able to relate back. It's actually very shocking, very big business deals that I've been in, 20 million, 40 million, 100 million dollars. A lot of times, the catalyst was a handshake, was somebody sitting down for coffee with somebody and saying, you know, I could have gone somewhere else, but I like you and I think you're a nice person, so why don't we talk about business? And you would think these are two such separate things. Business is very hard, go, go, go. And the other side is kind of soft-ish, you know. But these things permeate uh, across boundaries a lot. Yes, I'm so glad that you said that. You know, in fact, I call those soft skills, I call them professional skills. You know, the other side's the technical. There's this professional. And you're right. If I like you, I'm going to listen to you. We have that human connection. I always say... From one of my mentors, he, he says, you know, we, we are emotional beings who just happen to think. And what you're saying is so true, right? Yeah, you, you're right. Yeah. We're, we're emotional beings. Well, I tell you what, Omar, we are already at our commercial break. So what we'll do is we'll take a break. And for all the listeners out there, go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. Check out my coaching, consultative, and training opportunities. And we'll see you back here in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. 
Speak Up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Colleen Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's quite common for people to wonder whether happiness is real or just an illusion. Yet we all have an inner voice that is telling us that we need to change. Where to begin? Start by taking time out of your schedule every week for Revelations and Wonders, Secrets to Life and Happiness, with host Fabian Edju. There is a true beauty within your soul, and happiness flows from inside. We'll help you find that new confidence within. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Today, the topic is about immigrant entrepreneurial leadership, and my guest is Omar Khan, whose experiences in the world of investing has made him a leader really by his own right. And today he's here to share this angle on what immigrant entrepreneurial leadership really means. And as you know, if you've been listening to my show for a while, everybody can glean lessons and insights for immediate application, no matter the designated field. Okay, so Omar, I think it can be safely said when we think about society and what's happening in the world right now there's a lot of there are a lot of shifts going on and i know that you posture that there are times when immigrant entrepreneurs should play to society's expectations and when to choose to break free of those restraints talk more mm-hmm. about that well again i i can only talk about my own experiences and as that's talk true earlier, there's, <laughs> there's a perception out there Right, right or wrong, uh, that uh, you know, a lot of South Asians seem tend to be very analytical, very engineering driven. You know, blah 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 blah. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the perception. And look, to be very honest with you, if you're in a business negotiation, it actually helps a lot of times if the other party thinks you're smart. You know, and to be honest with you, you really play to society's expectations there. So if somebody thinks you're smart, it's not the worst thing in the world. Don't look at it in a bad way. And by the way, when do you have to break free of those restraints? Conversely, a lot of times, again, I'm not saying this is right. A lot of times this is that most Asian, South Asians, um, you know, they're not very sociable a lot of times. Not saying this is right again. And over there, what you can really show is the fact that you understand pop culture references. You understand the history and the culture of the place where you're at. And a lot of times, it's not necessarily some big, massive point you're going to make. But a lot of times, you know, somebody is jabbing back a little bit, right? In a lot of our cultures, it, it can be deemed as insulting. You know, somebody kind of gives you a sarcastic remark. But in America, uh, which is very nice, that a lot of times it's just playful banter, right? So if somebody mm-hmm. jabs you a little bit in a sarcastic, playful way, you jab back, right? And these are subtle mental cues that, you know, the other party also picks up. 
that hey, this guy's not a pushover, but he's kind of fun to hang around with, right? Because as we talked earlier, it's all about developing those relationships, you know? So when you're personable, uh, somebody makes a little joke, you don't get offended all of a sudden, but you just, you just punch back a little bit, right? You go from there, right. you punch back a little bit more. And it's a little, and a lot of this is subtle. It's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like uh, how the difference between old money and new money in the sense that new money a lot of time wants to flaunt its wealth, whereas old money a lot of times just let their actions do the talking, right? It's right, exactly yes. a subtle difference a lot of times. It's all the subtleties. You know, I'm, I'm struck by, I'm thinking about a book I read. It was called The Culture Map, and it's by Erin uh-huh. Meyer. And she talks about high-context cultures, low-context cultures, and things. And what you're talking about, and for anyone who's out there listening, that when you're working in different cultures or if you have to relocate like you've done, it's, mm-hmm. there are so many resources out there as well to read up on and get a sense of what Omar's talking about here. You know, something that I, I was just thinking, just a small little anecdote is here in the U.S., we will say a joke. I'll say a joke to you, Omar, and then I'll say at the very end, just kidding. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> when, right? But, but you go yeah. to the U.K., and if if a joke is said to you, there's no just kidding. They'll have a, a blank face, and then all of a sudden laughter will, will happen. And, you know, as an American, I remember the first time I went there, I was thinking to myself, was that a joke? So it's those little nuances that you're talking about that when you learn them, it's those, those social cues, that's going to really benefit you. You know, but a lot I of times, look, just, just to add to that point, a lot sure. of times you have to know a social cue exists for you to be yes. in a position to break it or accept it. If you don't know it exists, well, you're just flying blind. <laughs> That's very true. It's very true. Self-educate. You, yeah. you know, I, I talk about, I've talked about framing in the past and you talk about it's so important to learn to reframe and that reframing is one of the most important skills for an entrepreneur. Talk more about what you mean by reframe. Oh, I think everything in life is about reframing. In fact, I think hardly any, uh, any experience, meaningful experience we have, uh, good or bad, by the way, can benefit from reframing. So as an example, a lot of times people tend to think, you know, we, we person, I mean, a lot of times failure these days is lionized. Oh, you must fail and otherwise you'll never go ahead. But, you know, when you go through that crushing failure, it sucks. I mean, because mm-hmm. you spend months, years on something and it never materialized, right? So, mm-hmm. but it, so my point is to, by reframing, I just don't mean you completely change the narrative in your head. What I mean is you acknowledge that something has happened. So if something bad has happened, you acknowledge it. You allow yourself the emotional, mental, and psychological, you allow yourself to go through that grief whatever, or trauma, whatever it is. But then at the end of it, you look back and you say, look, yeah, this failed, but here's what I've learned from it. So going forward, I'm not going to make the same mistake. But you have to go, go through these steps of grief and understanding and allowing yourself to mourn of sorts. Mourn is maybe a strong word. And then reframing, because every single thing is reframing. And mm-hmm. by reframing, it's just, a, it's just, honestly, it's just a fancy way for me saying that you reframe to positive. Even a negative experience, you reframe to positive. If somebody's rude to you, reframe to positive. Instead of thinking, oh, wow, what a rude person, you can think like, wow, this person must be really going through a bad day. Right? This mm-hmm. mental switch has gone from you being affected by somebody's rudeness to kind of empathizing with them. 
right? And that kind yes. of takes a lot of weight off your shoulders because you can't go through your life with a chip on your shoulders. I agree with you. And it's a, it's a concept that uh, all of us coaches out there use as well with our, our clients is that reframing very much what you just said is to stop. And the key point here is to be reflective think through what happened. And like you said, I like you flip it to a positive. Okay, so what did I learn? What can I take from that experience and apply going forward? And again, it's that forward movement that we talked about earlier. You know, of course, 100%. So what, what is the secret to getting scale right out of the gate? Well, Dr. Woolsey, I'm not going to tell you everything. <laughs> oh, I have to hire you, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, no, no, no. Uh, for that answer, you need to pay me a really expensive coaching fee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, uh, I think the secret to getting, this is just my opinion, the secret to getting scale right out of the gate is that you have to start developing relationships and cultivating and nurturing relationships in a very positive way with the right people way before you need them. Because when you meet somebody and that's the first time you're reaching out to them or you haven't talked to somebody for 10 years and as soon as you need something, you reach out to them, people immediately know. So the secret to getting scale right out of the gate is nurturing and developing relationships throughout your life. So way in advance of whenever you meet something or somebody. So it's not like a weird outreach, but it's a very natural outreach because you're talking to that person, say, once every three months, once a month, once a week, whatever it is. So I think that is the secret to getting our scale right out of the gate, at least in my experience. And that is complemented by the fact that you can't stop putting yourself out there. So what you can't do is put yourself out there for six months and then for the next 10 years, just relax. It doesn't work like that. If you have Mm. to be successful in any endeavor in life, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You have to go out day in and day out. And a lot of times it might be, that you don't feel like doing it because it's hard or you're sick or you've got other things. But that is part of accepting leadership and responsibility that a lot of times you do the things you don't want to do to get to the place where you actually do want to go. Mm. Yes, you just packed so many great things in there to to take to heart. I, I'm thinking about in my journey, for example, that nurturing relationships, I think, has helped. That's been part of my success is that you tend to those relationships, you nurture them. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, what's your secret and so forth, you know, when wanting to go entrepreneur? You know, I'm an entrepreneur as well. And I, I always tell people everything that you do and those relationships that you engage in, they matter. And whether it was 10, 15 years ago or maybe last week that – those relationships matter and don't burn bridges. We hear that that phrase, but it's so true that if you really care about others and genuinely care, that those relationships will be there for you when you need them and vice versa. You're there for them as well. And it's oh so powerful what you're talking about. I right there. completely agree with you. And it also is I think just think of it the other way. What if you were on the receiving end and somebody it's only reaching out to you because it needs something from you and they don't really even care about you. Wouldn't you feel, you wouldn't feel nice about it, right? Mm. So that's yeah, right. what I meant. Right, right. Yes. And, and that's why, you know, like the, the little things, I'll get a referral from someone. Hey, so-and-so is looking for some insights on becoming an entrepreneur or someone's looking at being a coach or what have you. I, I, I don't even know them, but of course I'll take the call because it's just that, that, that way about it's so important to um, to extend, you know, and to to 
put out that positive energy that that I like to have my world filled with mm-hmm. versus the negativity. So, you know what, that of course lends me to a question around energy because it's one of the pillars of my show and I coach Mm -hmm. in my coaching, working with individuals around energy levels and I really believe we all enter into any situation. You walk into a room, you have a interaction with someone, whether it's impromptu or it's planned, but there's a default energy that we all have. It's a composition of, you know, positive growth and it's also, I call it anabolic energy. And there's also a bit of some negativity at times. And that can be the destructive catabolic energy. So we all have a combination of that. And I'm curious, how do you view energy in leadership? Well, uh, I think part of this, how I view it is part of this, the reframing thing that I told you that a lot of times I think the negative, I think for me, it's more of a mental thing. Uh, than a physical thing, even though physical is very important. Because look, when I'm working out, I'm eating clean, you, I feel like a million bucks. I mean, there's just no other way around it, right? Mm-hmm. But yes. the mental game is, I think the mental game is equally, if not more important. Because look, we all know 90-year-olds that are as sharp as a tack. And we know 20-year-olds that are just kind of just ambling through life. So I think the mental issues are important. And there, the reframing aspect is very important, where you're able to, without even realizing you know, because it, it's, it's like a skill you've got to learn and you've got to have this, like, you got to keep developing it, right? That anytime something negative happens, you acknowledge it. So it's not like you don't acknowledge it, but then you reframe to positive very quickly. And, you're, and you don't, it's just muscle memory. You don't even have to realize it's going on, right? Mm-hmm. That is very important. And then a lot of times taking time out for yourself, because I feel we don't do enough of that in the world today. We're so connected. It's rah, 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 go, 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 working 24 hours, seven days, lionized. That a lot of times it's taking time out for yourself. So maybe, you know, if you've got a family, maybe taking an extra five minutes in the shower. I know it's kind of stupid, but maybe just taking an extra five minutes in the shower or trying to get up, say, half an hour before everybody else in the house has gotten up and just having breakfast by yourself, you know, or just yes. meditating. Whatever helps you take care and nurture yourself. Because if you can't nurture yourself mentally, it's going to be very hard going through life. You're absolutely right. I had a guest on a while back, and she talked about, she has this anecdote in her book that she had written, and she said that, you notice when you're on the airplane, the flight attendants always say in emergency situation, put your air mask on first and then help others. Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole thing. You have to be able to breathe. You have to live. You've got to be your full self so that you're able to to work with others. So I'm right on you. I'm right with you. I agree with what you're saying. That takes us to our next break. And when we return, Omar, we're going to continue this conversation about immigrant entrepreneurial leadership. And for everyone out there listening, we'll be right back here on the other side after this two-minute break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Tune in for 5 Blossom Radio. Each week, host Denise Richard will discuss common interests in the fields of art, health, and spirituality. The series is arranged into three parts, focusing on five Blossom gatherings, the Four Voices program, and Fires of Compassion. Every program is available on demand, so if you miss any part of the series live, be sure to catch up 
Five Blossom Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Marla Goldberg each week for guided spirit conversations. This show puts you, the listener, in touch with some exciting guests. Hear how they've helped others and find out how you can help too through Marla's charity shoutouts. Are you ready to shift your current life experience? We've got tips, tools, and techniques designed to help you get started. Guided Spirit Conversations can be heard Thursdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back. Today I'm talking with Omar Khan, a leader in the world of investing who has figured out this thing called immigrant entrepreneur. And in fact, lessons embedded throughout our conversation are ones all of us can put into action. And before the break, we were talking about breaking free of societal restraints, embracing the concept of reframing, and to get scale. And I also threw in some questions in there about energy. And so we, we talked about all that. Now, in this segment, Omar, I want to direct the conversation to relationship building. You've already, we've already talked about that a bit in the previous segment. I want to bring that a bit further and really cultivating the right relationships. Tell us about how you went from doing it the wrong way to getting onto the path of success. Well, how I did it the wrong way, I can tell you there's, I mean, it depends how long you have, because we can sit here the whole day. (laughs) How I did it the wrong way was, basically, look, I was coming from uh, an environment, professionally speaking, say in finance, where uh, it's very type A personality. You know, it's very analytical. It's very logical at times. There's a lot of politics, but it's very logical at times, and it's very money-driven, right? So... I mean, presumably, if you sell somebody, you can make more money. The underlying assumption is, well, they'll just, I guess, that's the carrot you dangle to get people to work. And what I realized when I was doing my own work specifically was, especially in a newer environment, newer country, was that different people, and again, this was, I know this is nothing revolutionary, but it was for me. It took a little while for me to understand this intellectually that different people respond to different sorts of stimulus or incentives. So whereas a lot of folks from my background, professionally speaking, were responding to money-driven, analytical-driven cues, a lot of folks that I had hired on my team were consultants for me of various sorts, they were responding to different types of incentives. They, They must be, say, around whether 
emotionally they were nurtured, they felt they were nurtured through this relationship. Or for instance, you know, small little uh, softer side of things that I might not have been as good at and nurturing that relationship the right way. In particular, I think what really helped me was my family has been intimately involved with Rotary International, the Rotary clubs throughout the world. So we worked a lot on the polio eradication campaigns or water and sanitation campaigns around the world. My father, uh, my, uh, my grandfather was a district governor. My father is an assistant district governor. So we, I was a Paul Harris fellow, which basically meant that I mentored youth in social development institutions and nonprofits in three countries. And the bigger deal there was that I had exposure, luckily, to people from very different backgrounds and walks of life than, for instance, what my background and walks of life were or my friends were. So at least I knew that there was a different world out there. So what I then had to do was recalibrate and see internally. I had to go internally and see, okay, well, the folks I have, the employees, the consultants, uh, the temporary workers, a lot of these folks are responding to different cues and different incentives. And I have to personally change the way I view things. I mean, not completely, but to a certain degree. And to lay a path and a vision forward, which would bring everybody along. Because academically and professionally speaking, actually, you didn't have to bring everybody along in finance. What you told people was, look, you're going to make a lot of money, so you better get in line and you better start working. That doesn't necessarily translate that well in the real world because people want to feel respected. You don't have to go emasculate every person on the planet. And that model of leadership where it's a very top-down driven leadership, I personally think is not very authentic and it doesn't resonate in today's world anymore. People, like we talked about earlier, People do give a lot of credibility to vulnerability. People do give a lot of credibility to authenticity. And people uh, are, I personally, in my experience, I felt people are more apt to talk to me when I talk about my failures and successes as opposed to the typical, uh, you know, finance person who's just beating their chest, wearing a nice suit and saying how great I am. Look at me. I'm like the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I think the new model you. of leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new model of leadership, and it's not new, I mean, it's old, being authentic, but people are beginning to grasp the power of authenticity, to grasp the power of a narrative, and they're able to cut you a lot more slack than what you would think otherwise, as long as you're truthful, as long as you don't lie, and as long as you're 100% transparent. So with uh, warts and all, you know, they accept you with a good and bad, and that's... I still think a lot of folks haven't figured it out. I mean, I'm still figuring it out, but it took me a little while to get to this stage. Mm-hmm. Well, you packed a lot in there because you talked about having exposure to different people in different walks of life. That's incredibly important. And I was thinking about when you said all of those things, you're right, different incentives for different people. And it's if you were to come to me and say, oh, you're going to make tons of money, for me, I'm not necessarily, okay, that sounds great. But for me, I need to know that I have a network of people around me that are that will enrich me yeah. and help me grow, And right? And, and there's... There's plenty of research out there that shows we all have different drivers. I I can I know that I've had people work for me where it was they had to have a sense of worth in their work that was most prominent, mm-hmm. or you know individuals who need to have safety they feel like they're in a safe place, or others who needed to have credibility where they could you know they needed to have their their academic credentials recognized. So everybody has different drivers for mm-hmm. and. 
So everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I'm like you. I'm still learning, and that's a good thing that I'm still for. You know, I'm I step in stuff all the time. But I'm, you know, and it's like you said, and we've been talking about. Okay, let's stop, reflect. What did I learn? How can I carry this lesson forward? It's all it all connects, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I I completely agree with you. But I think it starts internally, realizing that it's not always other people at fault. Maybe no. we have to change ourselves and realize. You, that it's not just about me, me, me. It's about we, we, we. How can we all go together faster, further, quicker, longer? Yes, it is. It's it's humbling yourself and saying, "All right, I I, I need to I need to do some work here." You know, in working with other other leaders, I know you've helped them by focusing on relationship development, mentorship, and talent management. And another pillar of my show is about being transformational, to be a transformational leader. In your opinion, how do you describe a transformational leader? Look, uh, again, uh, I have been the recipient of so much generosity from people, complete mm. strangers, in fact. I mean, people who didn't, have, people who didn't know me from another guy on the street. Uh, yeah. I have been the recipient of so much generosity throughout my life, so many second chances where people took a chance on me. People opened their wallets, they opened their houses, they opened their Rolodex for me. That for me, part of this, apart from the things we've talked about earlier, for me it also means that when somebody else who was in your position comes to you, you don't basically pull the ladder up after yourself. Mm. Because so many people have opened doors for me, so many people have given me a leg up in life. Just to, and a lot of times, it's just, a lot of times, it's just a kind word. You know, a kind word at the right time does wonders, right? So for me, part of transformational leadership also means that you provide access, accessibility, and you provide ladders of opportunity for people around you to get to the level where they want to go. Because like you said, everybody's incentivized differently. We have different ways of just understanding or knowing what we want in life and providing people those paths I personally think is very important, and that I think is a big emerging component of being a transformational leader. Because it's no use, for instance, if you were a leader, it was always me, 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 you did everything for your bottom line, and then everybody underneath you hates you, and then when you leave, everybody's just glad you left. I mean, what kind of life is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what kind of life is that? I I really like how you summed it all up into the word generosity. And you're right, it's providing access and uh, all those kinds of things. And, and you know, in, in the work that I've done too, one of the key elements about leaders who are at that level, they always look to pull others up, to keep pulling them up and give them everything that you just said, give them those opportunities. And even Kuzis and Posner's talks about you remove barriers so that people can act and and it take risks and and develop and find their their voice and so everything you said there really makes a lot of sense and I like that you shared it's when you go back to that generosity piece that people gave to you and and now you're giving to others that's a great story thank you for sharing that well, I have to you bet I have to ask you I because I'm not familiar with this you said that you're a Paul Harris fellow and. Tell me more about what that is and expand on the, how this engagement really has enriched you. 
So the Paul Harris Fellow is a fellowship that the Rotary, uh, Inter- Rotary International, which is a Rotary set of clubs, runs okay. throughout the world. And yes. basically, you know, the Rotary Club is renowned for the social services that it provides, not just, you know, you know, contributed to an orphanage or a school, but actually global uh, things that they, global initiatives they've done, like, for instance, polio eradication. Now, in this country, as an example, we don't even know polio exists because it was eliminated God knows how many decades ago. But around the world, even till 10, 15 years ago, it was a big problem in developing countries, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. that is a big global initiative. And I think even Bill Gates has donated a considerable sum of money because Bill Gates' father used to be a Rotary, or is, I guess, I guess he's alive, he used to be a Rotary Club member. So that's a big initiative. So Paul Harris Fellow is part of the Rotary Club International, the fellowships, where they awarded to people with the highest level of fellowship. And by fellowship, it means the amount of service you've provided to people, right? Social uh-huh. development and otherwise. And it's just contributing to a lot of the great work that Rotary International has done across the world. Polio eradication, water and sanitation, healthcare initiatives, women's, women's education, literacy. So there's lots of small little things. And I personally feel I have been privileged enough to be part of that in some capacity. My family has been privileged and grateful to be part of that for the past 50, 60-odd years. And it's just such an enriching part of our lives that we feel like a lot of times, you know, to, to people who much is given, much is expected. So mm-hmm. if you've been dealt a good hand in life, you have to pay it forward. I couldn't. Wow. That's just a great way to end this segment before we go to our final portion of the show. Give it back. And once you said Rotary International, yes, the work that they do is phenomenal. I have some good friends who are part of that. And uh, that's fantastic. So thank you. That's a great lesson for us to take away. So as we go to break, everyone out there, think about what is it that you can join or do or a way to give because that's such a big part of being transformational and it's just rewarding for everyone involved. So when we return, Omar, your challenge is to sum everything up into some actionable items for all of us to take away from the show today. So for everyone out there listening, we'll, we'll have see you right back here on the other side of this commercial break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? 
Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, shedding light on our dark side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back to the show. We've been talking today about immigrant entrepreneurial leadership, and my guest Omar Khan has shared his experiences and proven track record from his unique angle working in capital markets. Okay, Omar, here's the challenge. Bring all this together for us. What can we all do? So what can we all do right now to take these ideas and proven methods of immigrant entrepreneurship top of mind and actionable for after the show? Well, I think the top three items would be understanding and acknowledging to yourself that, I, I, I do mean it's a mental game, that you have to put yourself out there. So it's not uh, it's not an intensity focus where you just put yourself out there for six months and you're done. It's a consistency of effort focus, number one. Mm-hmm. Number okay. two, it's understanding that soft skills are extremely important. In fact, they are becoming even more important than hard technical skills at times. And number three, it's a reframing. Because as long as we have the, and it's a skill that needs to be learned, as long as we have the mental capability of immediately reframing without even realizing, we're going to go way ahead in life. Mm. Okay, so you've said that really succinctly. Understand and acknowledge yourself and never stop. It's consistent. Keep on doing it. And then the soft skills piece, like you were talking about, really getting to understand others learn what their motivations are because incentives are different for each person. Did I get that right? Of course, 100%. Yeah. And then the reframing piece and evaluating or looking back on things and realizing there's something positive embedded in every experience that we have in the walk, in this walk of life. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Okay. You got it right. That's why you're you're running the show and not me. <laughs> well, me, I've been listening. I've been trying to listen. <laughs> Fantastic. So I'm, I'm curious, what's on the horizon? What's on the future for you? What's your, your next challenge that you're taking on? Well, we're uh, on the business front. We're looking at a few uh, deals and a, and a couple of new businesses that we want to enter. Uh, so that's, uh, we're working diligently at it. Again, a lot of times that's just literally going, meeting people, shaking their hands and sitting down for coffee with them. On the personal front, uh, you know, I have a young family. So balancing, uh, my, my wife's a physician, so she's also got a very demanding career. Uh, balancing, not, not, balancing the ability to not work 24-7, even though I want to, and trying to be more mentally present with my family, which is mm-hmm. harder than I actually realized. 
<laughs> right. It's being mentally present, being present, period. That's a, a challenge for for lots of us out there, you know, making our way in this world. And it brings me to, yeah, being, what is that? Yeah, being present and then, of course, growth mindset and such. Excellent. So I'm also curious, what, you know, I'd like to ask my guests, what are they reading? What are they doing to enrich themselves? Or maybe it's a YouTube series you're watching, but is there something that you're doing right now that we could all learn from? Well, I don't know if you learn from it because I'm a voracious reader. So my friends used to make fun of me that I would literally, even when I was sitting on the subway, I would literally grab any random newspaper or weekly and just read because I guess that's the time. And I just love consuming information. So I don't know if your listeners will learn from this, but there's two books I'm reading right now. One is the Tom Wolfe book, A Man in Full. It was highly recommended to me. It's a novel. I don't know how much you'll learn, but it's a very gripping novel. And the other is basically uh, dethroning the king. It's basically Anheuser-Busch, basically how they became Anheuser-Busch, you know, the beer company, but then how because their leadership was very distant. It didn't create the good relationships with people. It didn't change with the times. They got taken over by InBev, which is a Brazilian, Brazilian and I guess a Belgian firm. Wow, that sounds good. Both of those sound good because one, you know, nurtures a different part of your brain. And then when you've got this business aspect, the lesson that you just said right there, why or how did that organization go down? And we, we see that happening with others in in and around the world, prominent organizations that are, Something that they're not paying attention to is taking them down. Well, good. Thank you for sharing those. And, you know, for my listeners out there, I've got some shows coming up for everything from quiet influence to love is definitely a business. Love is good for business. So I've got some great shows coming up. So, Omar, I I thank you very much for coming on the show today and sharing all of the insights that you had. And before we go, how can the listening audience contact you after the show? Well, uh, they can reach out to me personally. My email is omar, O-M-A-R, at boardwalkwealth.com. So that's B-O-A-R-D, walkwealth.com. You can also go to our website, uh, boardwalkwealth.com, and you can sign up for a mailing letter. It's a mailing newsletter. It's right on the front page. Enter your name, email address, how you found out about us, and I'd be in touch soon. I'm looking forward to talking to everybody. And I think you also have a link. You're on LinkedIn as well. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on this. So I guess I'm LinkedIn. I, my name is like the John Smith of brown people. I'm going to be very honest with you. Omar Khan, <laughs> I think like there's one billion Omar Khans out there. So my LinkedIn is, <laughs> if you search Omar Khan, you might, not, you might never find me. But my LinkedIn address is linkedin.com slash IN slash O-M-A-R-K-1. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. You're right. I tried to search you, and there were thousands of you. Yeah, (laughs) there's like millions of me out there, man. Omar Khan is like the John Smith of brown people. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. Thanks for your energy, all of your insights. I really appreciate having you on the show today. And so for everyone that's out there listening, if if you have a topic you want covered on the show, or if you know someone who can bring enlightenment to our conversation in the coming weeks, let me know. And if you're looking for more resources to assist you, and others that you are leading, send those questions my way. And you can do that. You can go to my website at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can contact me via email. That's mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and, of course, on this platform on Voice America. So for everyone out there, until the next time, 
harness that positive energy that you have, lead that transformation, and we will talk again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.